on today's Two Beers Deep. Uh, we will discuss the recent trade for Stalling Marte to be sent away from the Pirates, talk a little bit about uh, Super Bowl preview, uh, but a large chunk of the show today most likely will be dedicated uh, to talking about the helicopter crash that happened yesterday, the passing of the NBA icon and legend uh, Kobe Bryant. So we will get through today's show, do what we normally do, um, cover some sports, but most of it will probably be Lakers talk. So uh, three, two, one, action. technically have to do that when i have a beer right i know i just like to add my like little flair to you you be happy (laughs) what is up guys welcome back uh to the two beers deep podcast here with deacon greg uh brought to you by thoughts on the bench we are live here on um january 27th it is Um, monday of super bowl week it is it is it is it is um a lot of crap i gotta get done for this (sighs) super bowl thing on sunday um but let's uh, let's start the show off with the Kobe stuff, just to because that's on everyone's mind, that's on everyone's tongue today. Uh, yesterday, I don't even know when it was reported, but during the day, um, it came out that Kobe uh, Jelly Bean, Kobe Bean Bryant, uh, passed away in a helicopter crash that took the lives of a uh, his daughter Gigi, a member of the team. Um, the parents whose, you know, thoughts and prayers to everybody involved. Um, but it was the, uh, passing of not just a Lakers icon an NBA icon an icon in culture an icon society, um, that was set the world on fire. Basically. There's a lot of ways to, um, compare this when it happened. Um, you had a, you had an actually very interesting way to look at it earlier with two guys, um, Mm -hmm. that died way, one died way too young, Roberto Clemente. And, um, from a cultural perspective when it happened, uh, David Bowie, uh, that was one when it kind of shocked a lot of people, especially after he had just released, um, a new album coming out from it. Um, my immediate reaction when I first heard about it, um, I was coming back from doing some house hunting with my dad, and I went downstairs um, to look up something, and it was a front-page headline on uh, Yahoo News, actually. Uh, you can joke about why that is on the front page of my browser at another time, but that's just now. Um, as soon as I saw it, I clicked on the article, and I read the entire thing about it, and I was very surprised at the time because i didn't think it was real i i thought it was like misreported or something mm-hmm. i thought tmz was like pulling a hoax or something mm-hmm. at, at that point and after i'd read the article and i saw the pictures my next reaction was to immediately text you because yeah. i because anyone who knows you um knows how much kobe meant to you in your life yeah and he was and he was he's an icon not just to you but uh well and there's there's millions, millions of, people, of people that feel millions the way. of people yeah um and there's millions of people taking it different ways there's millions of people that um are still crying there's millions of people that are still praying there's millions of people that went to la for uh to pay their respects there's a million people that don't understand why kobe's death was so impactful there's a million people still trying to slander um, Kobe's name, and there's a million people that 
don't even know yet, I'm sure. Right. Um, but the, 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 the big thing, and um, I haven't said too much about it. I mean, I wrote a blog just to kind of give a basis of it. Uh, but it's one of those things where you look at the immortal, untouchable human beings amongst us. You look at the, the, the Mount Rushmore of humans, the Mount Rushmore of what they've done. Um, the people that are larger than life, the people that are going to do more than they have done. And that's tough to be said for certain people. It's the people that retire. Like I'm looking very much forward to Larry Fitzgerald when he retires. Right. Um, I, I love when an athlete can retire healthy with money. They are the most dangerous people in this planet because then they can do whatever they want. And people like, um, you know, Kobe and, and I bring up Larry Fitzgerald, but those types of athletes that no matter what you're like, wow, that dude, like, He's going to like, I think Steph Curry is going to do a lot mm-hmm. when he retires. And it's, and it's one of those things where it wasn't never that conversation. Like Jordan owns an NBA team, you know, right. Shaq and Chuck are very funny and, and, and great at their jobs. And, mm-hmm. but it's never like, look at what this guy did after, but you, you see Kobe branch away from basketball. He's doing on the wall street. He owns wineries. He's, um, in development with esports. He is continuing his shoe line. And then you, you discuss like, the reason he got back into basketball is because his daughter, Gigi, wanted to start going to Lakers games. He hadn't been to a Lakers game since they retired both mm-hmm. of his numbers. Um, in a weird way, he, she was kind of like the bridge that helped him get more involved and be more well, more yeah. and more kind of like seen in the public airing as much as he was. Because Kobe struck me as someone who he didn't necessarily enjoy the limelight that much. I, I think he, he embraced it because he had to. Yeah, but, I think it's it's one of those conversations about um, once you're done with something. Like if if we, it, it's like you know me and and when you go through four years of high school right. and you graduate and you go back to your first year of college, and then I came back to the soccer training camps and I knew everyone there, but you just feel like you're on the outside looking in. Right. I think Kobe had that feeling very much with the NBA because he was retired. He was trying to do things. He didn't want to come in and, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the NBA just wasn't something because he missed that time. So for his daughter to bring him back into that um, is absolutely gut-wrenching when you look at the videos mm-hmm. of him explaining basketball and her shooting over him and, and funny little things and quirky little things. But um, Kobe Bryant said that he wants to be remembered as the athlete that didn't waste uh, a minute. And there's stories, stories upon stories of this guy. Like, mm-hmm. um, um, the trainer for the United States team was talking about how Kobe texted him at three in the morning and he went to the gym and Kobe took, you know, a couple hundred shots and they worked out for two hours. And so it was like five thirty, and the trainer went back, went to sleep in his office cause they didn't start practice till eight. He came back said, Oh yeah, I got my three hours of sleep. How about you? And Kobe said, nah, I've still been in here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's stories, I forget who it was with, but there's stories about players that like, we're te- like, I'm staying here as long as you are, Kobe. And mm-hmm. so Kobe would stay for four hours. <laughs> like, yeah. He wouldn't let you outwork him, outbeat him. And it's a God-given gift, his ability to um, to play basketball. But what is larger than that is the fact that he's sitting courtside and speaks Slovenian to Luka Doncic. The fact that he <laughs> um, understands the impact that he has and how important his relationship with Michael Jordan was, he completely replicated that with LeBron. Um, he said he had to be there when LeBron passed him. Cause that's what Jordan did. Jordan right. instantly said, congratulations, go get through two or go get one. And, and so Kobe did, he wanted to be there. He wanted to do the same thing. And you see the, the impact that he's had on society and the people and everything. I mean, um, from something as simple as throwing away a trash ball, into the trash can and yelling mm-hmm. Kobe, something as simple as, 
Um, Mamba mentality is something that everyone has searched on YouTube and been like, I need that Mamba (laughs) mentality. Um, He surpassed all that. He made you challenge yourself in a way that was weird because he wasn't a motivational speaker. He wasn't this guy that would, would sit there and be like, you need to do this and you need to do that. But every single thing he did from the Achilles situation to 81 to 60 on his last night, which will air tonight on ESPN, which will be obviously tomorrow when this drops Mm -hmm. to uh, like, it's, it's where were you when, when Kobe died, where were you when Kobe changed his number? Where were you when Kobe won two with Powell? Where were you Kobe and Shaq? I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. some of these, I wasn't actually watching, but I, I mean, uh, we went, Kaylee and I went to see Kobe play LeBron in his last away game yeah. in Cleveland. Like I've seen Kobe play. Um, and, and it's one of those things where you look at it and it's just poetic. Like he changed the way he shot based off a video he saw of a cheetah running because the cheetah can run so fast and cut corners that he, um, he uses his tail to stabilize. So when Kobe does a fadeaway, he uses his right leg to stabilize on the back, like the bucket. And then the rest is just how power there's stories about, he's the first NBA guy with low cut shoes because in Italy where he was growing up, because his dad, Joe Jellybean Bryant, uh, who was for the Sixers, went international. And Kobe remembers he, he grew up playing soccer. He was a big Barcelona fan. And oh, the yeah. reason he grew up playing soccer is because the basketball hoops were above the soccer nets. Mm-hmm. So he had to play, like not had, but he got to play soccer. And then he would play basketball. But it's this amazing understanding that soccer players have shortcut cleats so we can cut angles quicker. And in the NBA, it's very secure so you don't roll your ankles. And Kobe was like, well, I need to be able to move faster. Mm -hmm. So he brought and introduced the low cut shoes. Um, Kobe's Christmas day shoes, the Grinch, like they were some of the first, like, cause I remember Kobe versus LeBron on Christmas years ago. You look at um, the, the situation of a declining Kobe Bryant, where he has a massive contract and everyone's complaining. Cause that's the contract of thank you, Kobe, not the contract of the future of the Lakers mm-hmm. and the impact he even still had on the younger crowd there. The impact he had on other greats, like um, flash Dwayne Wade has come out multiple times. I mean, Trey young right now, wore eight. Um, he, he's, he's one of the, and it's so interesting because he's not uh, – Kobe Bryant is my GOAT. He's my favorite athlete, player, all those things. Um, but the way he trained and the way he carried himself and the way he was bigger than basketball, but also it, it, it's, it's you look at the greats in basketball. Right. And this is not taking anything away from any of them. Mm-hmm. No one was more individually strict than Kobe. Um, cause you have stories of Jordan living his life while he's playing, which right. is fine. You have these old like, guys that like didn't understand what, um, and, and, you know, I'm obviously speaking per- broadly here, but a large majority of them didn't understand what you had to do to keep in shape. Um, even guys in today's game, you look at it and they're giving guys rests and Kobe was like, no, like I'm healthy and playing. Like there's no, there's no workload. There, there wasn't like it was the in-between of science of like what we can do to help your body. And Hey, we need to tone down so you can last the whole season. Like it was the perfect, like, mm-hmm. no, you got to do it. And then match him with a guy like Phil who Phil Jackson has been with the largest personalities the NBA has ever seen and coached them to win. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that Kobe Bryant did was, was great. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you could talk about obviously um, knock it out right now, the, the rape scandal and everything along those sides, uh, you all have your opinions on it, but mm-hmm. to bring that up right now, I, I, I started, I unfollowed and deleted people and blocked yeah. people on Twitter. Cause just shut up. Um, the guy's dead. Don't speak on a dead man's body. Don't just try to get clicks right now. Like it's the stupidest thing I've ever been a part of, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, obviously that's kind of where a lot of the negative stuff com- is coming from. A lot of that 
still has an impact on casual people in mm-hmm. general because I mean they may not have followed basketball as closely as a lot of people did or was as in depth with what is going on in sports culture. They just see the name and they think of oh they look at you know headlines and that's like their immediate reaction to it. But yeah. to do that with Kobe Bryant, especially for someone who after that happened redeemed himself in the eyes of a lot of people by what he did to continue his marriage and continue to have that. And happy he was life. open about it. He was like, he it's was not very, easy. He was very open about it. Yes. That that's something that in today's society, that's not necessarily something mm-hmm. that is common. That usually is something that can be the beginning of a downward spiral for someone. And to bring that up and rehash it when him and his family have moved past that and have clearly had a great life after that was past that is very disrespectful, especially to um, his wife right now, who is also suffering at this point in time. So for a lot of people who are bringing that up, shame on them. Yeah. um, So let's transition a little bit. I want to talk about the highlights of Kobe's playing career for a little bit and then Mm -hmm. even after. Um, Youngest player in the NBA history. He was 18. I mean, imagine being 18 in the NBA. Like, he, mm-hmm. he, and I'm just going to go on to his backstory. I mean, Jellybean Bryant was a very good, very good NBA player. Um, played in Philly, and Kobe used to, uh, when he came back to Philly, because he was in Philly. He grew up in Spain, though. Right. Uh, or no, Italy, excuse me. Grew up in Italy. Um, came back. He would play against pro players when he was in high school and he would whip them also can we point out how poetic it was that the lakers were in philadelphia yeah 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 and even lebron brought that up mm-hmm. um but you get into then his you know lower marion how amazing he was he foregoes mm-hmm. college and lebron says that that was a big influence on why lebron four went like obviously right. lebron was um uh, he was a physical sp- he was a man at age 16. Like, right. Right. <laughs> he was going to yeah. go pro. Oh, no. there's When you watched him play high school, you were like, he is a man among yes. boys. Um, With Kobe, you actually okay. you never saw that. So he had to work his butt off to be able to get into that shape as well. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so then draft night goes to uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Greatest draft pick in the history of the Charlotte Hornets franchise. <laughs> Which they traded for Vladi Divac. Exactly. So that's um, all you need to know. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, Kobe struggled his first year in the NBA and didn't get much playing time, was frustrated. And then mm-hmm. you get to uh, year four, and they're, I, I believe it was year four, they're in the NBA Finals. Like, it's it's the growth for him is the mm-hmm. number eight. I mean, he was a perennial all-star, I think, uh, 18 season all-star out of 20. Yeah. Um, and, and then you get into the conversation about, you know, and, and I do want to talk a little bit about the things that were against Kobe before he passed. Cause now I don't believe in the conversation of who's better. Um, and, and we talked about this when Kobe retired, I was like, I don't want to have the conversation anymore Cause I want to appreciate yeah. just watching. I mean, the Ronaldo Messi thing always freaks me out because right. everyone's so obsessed with who's better. I'm like, we were watching two of the greatest athletes of all time, like watching Kobe play. Everyone's like, well, he had Shaq good like that was so much fun right highlights of that like it, it was so much fun i would argue the kobe and Shaq tag team was essentially what got a lot of fans right now into the nba so yeah they were they were discussing this morning on the radio like uh did la people have to pick between Shelby and Ka- or kobe and Shaq? excuse me hmm. of course they did yeah they Shaq did. was Shaq was lebron before lebron he was the physical oh you, yeah. you weren't being more physical than Shaq and it's there was a story I heard today from Shaq when he was interviewing Kobe that uh when they had and you know the beef between the two of them basically the beef down to the nuts and bolts of it were Shaq said I'm the best player in the league and Kobe said you don't work hard enough Mm. and they would grind about this and Shaq's like 
like I'm working my ass off and Kobe wanted to push him, but he pushed him so far he got out of there. Right. Um, but there was a story about how they got co-West MVP final. And Kobe, you know, and Shaq, you can see them lifting it up. And then Shaq's son, Sh- Sharif, I believe. Sharif Onu, yeah. Yeah, was there. And Kobe goes, you take the trophy home and you give it to your son. And Shaq, or Kobe said that to Shaq, excuse me. And he was looking around. He was like, okay. like, And he gave it to him. And Sharif still has it. And Shaq's like, that was the moment where I realized, like, yeah, we didn't really love each other at that point. But, like, I was a jerk to you. Mm-hmm. And, like, he was like, wow, like, Kobe – you realize that it's not because Kobe doesn't like you or want you on the team. It's because he believes in just saying everything he can and, and getting that greatness. And, yeah. Um, he, he believes in kind of bringing it out of people, essentially. And that, that was one of the qualities that maybe might have mis- forced him to become misunderstood by a lot yeah. of people at that. Because, obviously, I mean, even in the later years after Shaq, when uh, it took a while for them to win his other two rings, like yeah. he pushed his teammates to try to be the best that he could. And maybe that necessarily alienated a lot of them or kind of rubbed people the wrong way at that point. But it, it's his terms of it's his way to communicate with yeah. you that you have more to your potential and maybe it was tough love yeah you could you could argue well, that and it nobody likes was. to be told they're not working hard enough oh, absolutely. and it's funny because there's the commercial about the, the the kobe bryant system or the mamba system whatever it was where oh like, i remember those. everyone those like like kanye's like how many more albums do i need to sell and kobe says more mm-hmm. and he says how much greater do i have to be he said greater mm-hmm. like he was just saying like and it's it's this simple thing with kobe that like you and and it's a there's a quote from dwayne the rock johnson that i always loved and i always think of and it's basically along the lines of these people want to go out and drink every weekend and go to the club and pop bottles and the rock said what the hell are you celebrating like (laughs) why are you going out wasting your money like wasting your memories he's like what are you celebrating you've done nothing so it's this it's this mentality that elite people have that Kobe has where it's like, all right, like I'm retired. Some people could just sell off this. He's like, no, I want to do more. Right. Like I, I need to do something. Like I want to be better at something. He's, and it's a beautiful thing. He strikes me as someone that if he did nothing after he retired, he would have driven himself insane. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. He strikes me as one of those people that if he was not doing things to stay active, then we could have seen a very kind of negative aspect of Kobe come out at that point. But the fact that he was involved, I don't in think so he's much, ever able to. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. You know what I mean? That's true. It's funny. I, I think him being able to stay as busy as he was and do so much in his retirement just speaks a lot to the type of personality yeah. he is because you wouldn't see that from some athletes. Like we reference this a lot, but the, the 30 for 30 broke, it tells you what yes. athletes could have, what athletes essentially did with their money. And it ruined them to that point because they weren't prepared for life after retirement. They didn't think, about that they thought that they were going to live forever on what they were doing and kobe kind of took that to heart and maybe looked at it as there's more that i can do with my life than be a basketball player even though i will always be remembered as a basketball player and when you bring up the comment you made earlier about kind of appreciating what we see instead of debating anymore Mm -hmm. it's it's similar to um when i was on twitter today and i saw the the essentially like a painting or a mural of Jordan with his arms around LeBron and Kobe. And that's kind of, that speaks a lot of volumes to it because I think in society now we look at, we always want to compare because we have different eras. We have different type of people and it's like, Oh, this would be so cool to try to see who would win in a pickup game or who is actually the best of all time. I think in society now we have to look at that mindset and realize just how maybe negative that is because Trying to compare and say someone is better, it kind of 
reinforces this idea that we're picking and choosing between who we like and who we don't like. We should just embrace the idea of everyone has certain qualities that are great in their own right. And that's something that you have to be able to condone. You have to be able to bring out and be able to appreciate in the end. And I think comparing LeBron, Kobe and Jordan, it can only just add more fight and it adds more negativity because you can kind of maybe think of that person in the wrong way. But in reality, you have to realize that what you are seeing is something that you might not ever see again. And you need to be able to look at it and say, I saw that. Yeah. And I'm really happy that I did. When he talks about, there's a quote, <clears throat> a video that I tweeted out that it's basically Kobe saying um, that they were like, what, what, what advice could you give someone in life and he was like just enjoy life he said don't get bogged down stop getting disappointed he said one foot in front of the other keep moving forward he said those those are like and it sucks because you either get complacent and you get stuck in one moment or you get depressed and you fall back like his mentality it was just like yo like shit happens you 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 have to keep going Mm -hmm. like you can't sit there and wallow because that means that you're not enjoying that moment and it's so funny to go back and look at all these quotes of him saying live your life live your life live your life and he wasn't dead then obviously so the point being that he had this attitude about life that like it already was you know a a very limiting experience like and so you have to just keep going and it's amazing like he worked with trey young this off like season he he has worked with Devin Booker multiple times. Like obviously the conversations between him and, and Dwayne Wade flash, like coming up a little bit near him, but a little behind him. And then I definitely think flash third greatest shooting guard of all time behind Jordan Gibby. And, and I think that it just fits that mold mm-hmm. of like Dwayne Wade was obsessed with him. So he wanted to do more and be him. I mean, every single player in the NBA grew up watching Kobe. Yeah. Like and, that's how it is right now. So, and to also think about this too, like, yeah, you bring it up. Like when, when Kobe was entering the league, he watched Jordan. Yeah, he wa- all those guys around Kobe's time like idolized Jordan to the point where they wanted to be like him. All of these young players that we see now in the NBA, whether it be whether it be Jason Tatum or Zion or Trey Young or you know uh, Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell, like these are guys that looked up to Kobe yep. and watched him when they were little kids. They watched him in the NBA Finals with Shaq winning those titles. They saw the type of player that he was and just how magical he is with a ball in his hands. So that had to have really just been a gut punch to them because this was truly their hero and what inspired them to become the type of person that they are and end up being basketball players because they wanted to be like Kobe. 100%. Um, He's given us some of the greatest performances, the greatest highlights. Um, Just watch his highlight tapes. Like it's, it's magical what someone can do. Uh, with the basketball, but he's uh, arguably the greatest Team USA player we've had, like the gold medals and everything. I, I still stand that Carmelo Anthony is the greatest U.S. national team player of all time, <laughs> or international. Just dude is on a different level overseas, but uh, watching that team with Kobe and LeBron together, mm-hmm. like very near prime for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited because, and I was a big proponent, and I definitely am about to make a statement. Um, that I didn't like the move to get LeBron for Los Angeles. I don't believe that the Lakers organization would get through this right now without LeBron James. Um, That's a very good point, actually. It's, it's I, like if, if the Lakers organization still had the young guns and still had Luke Walton, uh, it would be so much more devastating. Mm-hmm. The fact that we have LeBron James, a guy that is the Kobe of his generation, um, 
the Jordan of his generation, the the Gretzky, the Lemieux, the everything right. of his generation. The fact that we have that guy, it is literally it has to be saving lives and fandom at this point because you you look at the Lakers and they're in, they're doing great this year. Mm-hmm. So to honor Kobe with a successful season, and I'm not saying that an unsuccessful one wouldn't have honored him or anything right. like that, but um, I definitely. You just you realize that all the stuff that you're angry about or mad about are like, oh, well, what if we had Lonzo and B.I.? It doesn't matter. Like, this no. is what it is. And we have the greatest player um, possibly that we've ever seen on the team as yeah. well as LeBron James because the other one's Anthony Davis. Last one. Last <laughs> one. I had to get one I love more. It. I love no, it. no, no, no. But I, I really appreciate the fact that the Lakers have LeBron James more than yeah. ever right now because I don't see that city um, – I see that city coming together more to rally behind the team in a way that is successful and good and pure. And LeBron will will uh, he'll take that mantle uh, with pride. So yeah, and it's not just the Lakers too. I think this is a rallying cry for a lot of people at this point too. Even the other LA team as well. I think the Clippers look at this as a rallying mm-hmm. cry of being like, my our city is mourning right now. Yep. And they did postpone and, that yeah, game. They postponed they postponed the Clippers and Lakers game. So. You know, screw any type of, you know, inner city beef between the Lakers and the Clippers. Like, the city of L.A. is hurting right now. And uh, Doc Rivers was even emotional when he found out about it, too, oh, yeah. when, when it happened. So, Well, think about all the battles Doc had with Kobe when he was the Celtics coach. Oh, like, man. <laughs> that's the reason that Doc—not the reason Doc is so great, but one of the things about Doc's career is Celtics-Lakers. Mm-hmm. Like, that is such a huge, huge part of it in— and, uh, it's it's amazing, but it, it's nice to see. I mean, Mark Cuban said that no Dallas Maverick will ever uh, wear the number twenty four, so it's nice to see that. And, and right. I love Cubes and uh, Dirk and Kobe had a very beautiful relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, eighty one points in one game against Jalen Rose with that commercial stands the test of time. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 wonderful to have been able to watch him, and I'm excited to tell people about Kobe that maybe never. I uh, have got to see him. Um, it's one of those guys you're like, oh, I can't wait to show my kids Kobe highlights and stuff like that. I, I so. would like to bring this up just because I, I, I would love to know this because I never asked you this. What exactly was the moment that made you like love Kobe as much as you do? He was just peaked, man. I remember in junior high, me and this uh, friend Austin Lang, we, we, I don't even know what it was, but Austin was uh, – it's funny because Austin and I still stay in touch and we still uh, – both follow the book of Kobe on Instagram, which is an account that just shows his highlights. Um, but we were good friends back then, and, and it was one of those things where Austin was very—he was a cool kid, and we, cool we just kid. like were hanging out. And, and I don't even know how it started, but we both became obsessed—obsessed obsessed enough to the point that senior year, during show choir, um, we would play Foursquare after because there was a month left in school, and we were done with our concerts, so we would, we would play Foursquare. And Austin and I had shirts. Um, which I let him be Kobe. I didn't want him to be, but I let him be Kobe. And I made Paul Gasol and we took white tees and wrote Gasol and Kobe (laughs) in the numbers. Um, And the the thing is people would try to fight us because we would not cheat at four square, but it was me and him. Whether I was in the one square, whether he was in the one square, every once in a while we'd get each other out. But like, it was just this, this whole thing about um, he was a killer, man. Like it's so fun to watch a prime athlete, like do their thing and no Mm -hmm. one can touch them. And, that's that's the biggest shock of all this is Kobe was um, immortal. Like he was untouchable. Yeah. He was he was never going to die. Like I I look at it and I envisioned him walking across 
uh, some stage 80 years from now still alive. Like, you know what I mean? Look at, right. Like the way we look at Jim Brown, the, la- the way we look at Kareem, the way mm-hmm. we look at these guys, we're like, wow, man, they still look good. Yeah. Like they are old. They still look good. They've had a full life. Mm-hmm. Like I've envisioned that with Kobe. Mm-hmm. Where like, I'm like, oh, like that's cool. Like I'm excited to in you know whatever year it would be to tell my kids grandkids whatever it is i watched that guy in his prime and he was the best right. so it's it's um it sucks i mean it, you know it, it's just it it sucks that's yeah. it that's it, it. That's it, 100%. It, su- it sucks that kobe has to be the reminder for us to live our life to the fullest oh and we saw this a year yeah. ago with mac i mean when mac miller passed everyone mm-hmm. did the same thing right. so it's it's um it's tough because you 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 want to be so upset with someone for disrespecting you. You want to be so mad that that person didn't uh, text you back or answer. You want to be so pissed off about that one person that spilled a drink on you. You, you want to be so mad at uh, the car that's parked a little too close that you're literally every day seconds away. Like I, I, I put this morning, like, and it's this new thing that I've I've tried to do this year and i actually have been doing it before kobe passed but it's you did it's do you even know what i'm getting i do remember you bringing it up to me before okay yeah it was the book the book yeah the book go ahead and tell me what you're thinking uh the book that you told me about during work that you read where you were trying to look at life in a different way by oh yeah yeah okay so it's not that, but it, you're right. It okay, is. Okay, that okay. was a part of it. It was the book of seven habits uh, right. and how um, you need to change your mentality. But every day that I've woken up this year, um, the first thing I've thought to myself is, is congratulations, you're awake. And it's, it's this slight mentality change that every morning you, you should – like there are millions of people that don't wake up every morning. Mm-hmm. There are millions of people that have loved ones that don't wake up. Every, like it is such an easy thing to wake up. It is the way you start your day. It is so anticipated. Um, but the congratulations, you're awake is this new, it, it just, it's like, wow, like I shouldn't be alive right now just based on human nature. Right. Um, so it's, it's about actually like not wasting your time. It, it just find a way to be happy. And it's so crazy. So, hmm. but let's branch away from that. Um, so rest in peace to, my favorite athlete of all time. Um, but we have a half hour left in the pod. Yeah. So let's talk some other sports. Let's and, yeah. Yeah. And just, ahead. just run through mm-hmm. this out here too. If you want to hear any more coverage about, um, Kobe and what he meant to a lot of us, not just Derek, but also other members of the bench as well. Uh, definitely go to our blog thoughts on the com and read about any piece that we will be posting to a lot of the people that had memories of Kobe and what they meant to them. Uh, We don't want to add maybe a little more sadness to your day, but maybe something just to remind you how great he is and also remind you about what he meant to so many other people to give it a read. Yep. All right. Let's switch over. I want to talk about the Starling Marte trade. All right. So we talked a bit about it in the car. We did. Uh, I liked the trade. With producer extraordinaire in the car kind of giving me the... uh, He wasn't necessarily giving me the runaround, but he was kind of trying to... I want to say push my buttons. He was just just testing. Yeah, he was was testing me. I I will give him a ton of credit for doing that. (laughs) Um, So I didn't mind the trade simply because I am tired of Marte. That's my mentality. And maybe that's like a, a weird take on it. I just either hurt or this or that and and i feel like yes the pirates do always go back and rebuild and go back and rebuild but this time um 
I feel like is the correct time to rebuild because we have new management right. and things like that. I think whenever you bring in new management, the idea is to always bring in your guys and also bring in as much talent as possible. Yes. Now, there's different ways to go about bringing in as much talent as possible. You can either do essentially what Neil Huntington did. And I want to like be as completely honest about this. So I became a massive Pittsburgh Pirate fan around the time that Dave Littlefield was the GM. And it was also around the same time that Aramis Ramirez got traded. The mm. fact when Aramis Ramirez got traded, it made me really angry because the idea of trading away someone and not getting fair value yes. in return is what drove me nuts and it's what made me dislike Dave Littlefield. And then I started getting more in depth about the type of team that he ran when it came to drafting and international free agents and what he was doing to try to develop the team overall. I started mm-hmm. getting really in depth with that. And I learned about just how terrible he was at drafting. And I, I don't even give him credit for Andrew McCutcheon. There's a whole backstory about that where... They didn't even want him, right? They, he did not want a third base Dave, coach that had to... Dave, Dave Littlefield did not want to draft Andrew McCutcheon. He wanted to draft a college pitcher, like his same MO for a lot of the other ones. And it was a scout... Yes, on his, scout. it was a scout that had to beg Dave Littlefield to take him, and Littlefield acquiesced. Yeah. So it's this is a guy that I personally don't think has any eye for talent. So when he left and Neil Huntington got in, I was thrilled. Neil Huntington tried to pick up a lot of talent by way of going for major league ready guys. Now there is there are some lessons that can be worked out from that, but there's a lot of examples of when it didn't work out. The Jason Bay trade didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Xavier Nade trade didn't necessarily work out as great as it should have. Did we trade Granky? No, no, we never had Granky. Who am I thinking of? Uh, Not Granky. Um, there was a pitcher at some point. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, the Garrett Cole trade uh, really pissed me off when it happened. Uh, because did we trade was, Burnett the first time. Uh, we traded for AJ Burnett, so that that was. Didn't like we a, have him twice? Just once. Huh. Yeah. That was like a bylaw thing that weirdly worked out. But more, t- awesome. more times than not, when you are trying to accumulate talent into your organization, there's two schools of thoughts. It's either get as much as you can in terms of bodies with maybe little high tools that work out for you and you can plug in and they'd be great fits for your major league club, or you get the best talent available for what you could possibly get. What the... Starling Marte trade proved is that Ben Charrington is looking at this is looking at this situation and is saying, let's get as much high end talent as we possibly can for the piece that we have. Yeah. And I and I had this conversation with Josh, too, because Josh was bringing up the idea of a one for one trade. One for one trades can work, but odds are they are only going to last for maybe a year or two Yeah, with these two players. They're 19 years old each. They haven't even scratched the surface yet of what they can become. No, 100%. But they have elite-level tools that can eventually translate to Major League Ready. Yeah. And is that saying a lot that, yes, you're waiting three years for them to work? Yes, it is saying a lot. And you better hope that Ben Charrington has a staff that can develop them, unlike yeah. Neil Huntington did, because that was the That's the other difference, is we didn't really have a staff. No, development was never a good thing with Neil Huntington. He was very good at drafting. He knew how to get talent, but man, he did not know how to develop it properly. I mean, I look at 
Oh, God. I, I mean, Gregory Polanco really did not live up to his potential as of now. Alan Hansen did not live up to his potential. Um, Garrett Cole did not really live up to his potential until he left. Um, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Garrett Cole didn't live up to his potential until he I left. I thought Garrett Cole was really good with us. I, for one year. And then after that, okay. he just kind of like went down a little bit. He said, Tyler, hey, I don't want to be here Tyler anymore. Glasnow, for instance, was like the elite prospect for years. A guy who was a giraffe and threw 99 consistently. But when he got up here, he couldn't find the strike zone. So yeah. the big thing is get as much talent as you possibly can with the tools that you need to succeed and get a damn good development staff to be able to bring those tools out and make them major league players. Will Jameson Tyen ever play again? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm just curious because it's a very serious injury. Tommy John, yeah. Because well, twice. It is twice. There's only so much you can pull out of your right, butt right. or whatever and they pull. Right. History is not good for guys who have had two TJ yeah. surgeries, but he's still young enough that there is still something left in him to be able to bring it out. And I think with – and the other thing, too, guys that have had two TJ surgeries and all that, I think the medicine behind it and the recovery That's process true. to be able to do it, it's really progressed in the years since then. So I would argue that you can find ways to be able to – Do they pull to, it out of your butt? TJ? Yeah. Um, what is the process I think it's. I think it's like a, a muscle in your heel, if I remember correctly. And then they bring like it – skin graft. Right. And then they bring it up to your elbow to replace it. Right. That's kind of how it works. So it's supposed to like replace the joint that you kind of wore off for so long and then yeah. do it. So I think that you take it from the other. Like, so with this Marte trade, yeah. I asked you this. Mm-hmm. You don't think we're going to get rid of Polanco anytime soon? Not yet because okay. his value is too low. I think the next player to go realistically would probably be Adam Frazier mm-hmm. because we have a good number of infield options to work with that it could work out well. And plus he, his value is high right yeah. now. Josh Bell has been a name that's been thrown out there. And I know that's going to scare a lot of people and all that fun stuff. I get it. Well, that's our number one guy. He is our number one guy, yes. But I look at it as he's still in arbitration right now, so you're not going to pay him a big contract. And you could also look at it as in the National League where you don't have a DH, which could change in a couple years. We don't know for sure. In terms of being a consistent player with a National League club, his defense was always a liability. Yep. He got really hot for the first three months of the season, and then after his all-star appearance, he kind of went downhill well, a bit. As does the home run derby yeah, bug. As, yeah, as does the home run derby bug. So there is an argument to be made that on this club right now, Ben Charrington's job should be to accumulate as much talent as possible to be able to sustain a pattern for a winning ball club, not just for the major league roster, but yep. your entire system as a whole. So wherever you can get talent and bring it into your system, that's the key right there. But you have to have a good deal in place to make it work. So the Pirates right now, are you optimistic about next season? Because Mark Madden... This coming season, you mean? Yeah. Mark Madden... Mm -hmm. What did I say? This past season. Yeah, this coming season. uh, season. He said that he actually loved the trade, and he Mm -hmm. was very optimistic now for this season. I am in the same boat as well because the issue with Marte was always how streaky he was. Okay. He was very... When he was hot, my God, he was hot. Like, he had months where he was putting up, like, 350 averages, and he could... He's a true 2020 guy. 20 homers, 20 stolen bases, and all that. But you could also look at your season coming in. Brian Reynolds really showed up this past year, and I think he could be a very good center fielder for them if you give him the opportunity. How old is he? 
He's very young. Yeah, man. He's I was like, say, 20, I he was like 24, 25, something like that. Uh, Maybe younger. So like, and you look at it, you know, that's six years prior to Starling Marte at that point. Yep. And, you're, and, you're, and you're on a rookie deal. You can only like grow at that point if you won. Polanco, I, I have faith that he can rehab himself and get himself into baseball shape because he came back way too early from his shoulder injury. Yeah. Just way too yeah. early. Like it was proven from there. And again, that's the big issue is that you need a good staff around you to be able to bring out all those tools that can make it work. Polanco has always been the guy that has so much potential to work with, but you've never been able to get consistency from him. He has like a giant swing. It feels that, like he just doesn't care sometimes. That's true. But I also believe that his struggles were so came on so early that it was troubling for him to get out of this funk. Yeah, the, I can agree with that. The year that he got injured, he seemed like he was putting it all over together. His average was like mediocre, but his power numbers were, were very good. So walk me through our bullpen next year. Because I'm very oh, curious as oh, to... Oh, <laughs> I feel like we've the Pirates have consistently had an optimistic bullpen, is how I'll word it. We've always had like you know one or two very solid pitchers, whether yeah. it's our closer, reliever, whatever you want to get into. Um, walk me through the ballpen upcoming this season. Neil Huntington, I will give him a ton of credit for this. He was very good at building a good bullpen. Yeah. What very, was it, the Shark Tank the one year? Shark Tank the one year, yeah. yeah that, was, that was great. And we always had a good closer, it felt like. We always good did. Good reliever. Yeah, what, what really sucks is <clears> us <throat> not getting rid of Vasquez before the allegations went on, because yes. that would have been phenomenal for them but um looking at the bullpen this year it's gonna be interesting um it looks like the favorite right now to be the closer is keon and kella okay who right-hander very young uh 26 27 tops 99 uh, i want to look him up that's yeah. an interesting name yeah the the big the big issue with him though is that he did have some off-field issues which a lot of it was based around the clubhouse, essentially, at that point. Another example is Kyle Crick. Crick was, like Crick. Crick was very good at times last year, but also had some run-ins with um, the culture. And a lot of it had and to do Vasquez. with Vasquez. A lot of it had to do with Vasquez, yeah. Like, him and Vasquez <clears> did not <throat> like each other. And we all thought kind of Crick was being a little bit of a dick at the time. But, but turns out, it. turns out it kind of worked out pretty well. He was correct. Yeah, he was very correct. Um, what is the guy's name? Akella? Akella. Keown. Keon and Key. There it is. Yeah, Keon and Kella. Um, and then looking at it, looking at the rest of the bullpen, uh, we're getting Edgar Santana back, who was very good in 2018. Uh, he's recovering from TJ surgery. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it just because they threw too much their entire lives? Something like that. Yeah. Jeez. Like, oh yeah. Like if you continuously do the same motion over and over and over, you're gonna like wear out your joint and stuff. A big wild card for them is Nick Birdie, who is also coming back from an ab injury as well. He was topping 100 at some points during last year, so he could be a big wild card moving forward for them. Um, They have another couple wild cards in the bullpen as well. You got Dovidas Nevaraskas, Jeff Hartlieb, uh, Chad Cool. I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe tried to put him in the bullpen to ease himself back into the rotation because he's also coming back from TJ surgery. And then if Cool becomes in the rotation, then you got Steven Brault, who can become your swing guy, who if the starter gets rocked, like, like like he'll come in for maybe like four or five innings to kind of take some pressure off of that as well. So, the bullpen right now, it's a work in progress, but there's some pieces that can make it work if you have the right coach to be able to make it work and accentuate the positives. But Kella is probably going to be their closer this year. Is Does it feel not like Super Bowl week to you? 
It does not. It's you know weird. what I mean? It's yeah. weird. And it, it's, I mean, there's a million things going on. Uh, but more that, importantly... I, that's probably why, because, like, I've been... Dis- <clears throat> like, yeah. my, my mind's been in so many other places lately that it just doesn't even register with yeah, me. Yeah, it's been <clears throat> it's been interesting, and, and it's one of those, like... I don't know, It's it's a, it was a weird season, but let's get into the Super Bowl talk. Let's do it. We'll have our predictions on Thursday's show, by the way. In case yeah, we curious. won't go to. But yeah. um, this 49ers team, mm-hmm. they remind me very much of the Eagles team and these other teams we've seen recently that are just a very good whole team. That's like, true. They're very Titan-like. They're not mm-hmm. – I mean, yeah, they do have one of the most insane run games, but, like, their quarterback only has to throw nine times. Their defense is very stout. They have big names on that line. Right. Is this the greatest – uh, season to season turnover you've ever seen? Oh God, yeah. They, yeah. Had the, they had the number two overall pick this past year. Yeah, like I think they were three and thirteen, four and twelve. Yes, that, that's an incredible turnaround. For and them. you could say, well, it wasn't that bad because Jimmy was no, like that's yeah. Uh, even if Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt, that's their team. Right, that's what you are. You are what your record. Is. Even with a healthy Jimmy G last year, I mean, I, I think the year that they traded for him, he got them to five or six wins. Yeah, I. I I see them as like a fringe wildcard team in yeah, last I mean, year even. I love Nick Mullins. They're I do third. too. I think C.J. Beathard is a decent backup. Mullen just came in and owned that entire mm-hmm. – I would be surprised if he doesn't get a shot somewhere. Right. But with Jimmy G, you know what you get in the sense that like he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Deshaun Watson. He's not all these guys. What he is is a very accurate, good quarterback that doesn't need the spotlight i mean i just got an update saying also that george kittle played for two seasons with a torn labrum what i don't understand athletes man no i don't either if i had a torn labrum i'd be laying down on the floor crying (laughs) in pain right now george kittle says he has played the last two seasons with a torn labrum my god uh, another news: Joe Montana's advice to Tom Brady: Stay in New England. Um, let's let's just talk. I mean, full NFL news here. Big news today. Yeah, very big massive news. news. The Chargers have moved on from Philip Rivers. Um, what do you think their plan is? Uh, they're either going to get Herbert or Tua in the draft, more than likely. You don't point. love Easton Stick? Nah, I do not love <laughs> Easton Stick, man. What was it? North North Dakota State, North right? North Dakota State. North Dakota State, the yeah. He, he ain't the best NDSU uh, bison to come out of there. No, no. Nope. But it is interesting because, you know, when, when Tyrod made the move there, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, he understands that being a starter – is not in the cards, quote unquote. Right. Um, so why not go to a beautiful city, mm-hmm. play for a good team yep. behind a great quarterback, potentially Hall of Fame, um, and learn. And I, I, Tyrod in Baltimore, they wanted to keep him. Tyrod in Buffalo was amazing and electric. Tyrod in Cleveland got screwed over. He Cleveland really did. Sucks. Yeah. Um, if I'm the Chargers, I'm taking Herbert or two at this point, but Tyrod's my starter for a season. I could, I think that he could work very, very well with that. I think him and Melvin Gordon would be a good combo back there. And if you for, Melvin you Gordon for, sticks around. You forget how good that receiver core is yep. in, in L.A., man. Like, Keenan Allen is absolutely an un, the most underappreciated elite oh, he's receiver. So he's the most underappreciated then elite receiver. Then you got receiver. big Mike Williams. You got Hunter Henry if they re- – So I Hunter Henry will, and yeah. Melvin Gordon are both – uh, free agents of some verification. Actually, some not type. having not having Philip Rivers on the books anymore probably clears up a lot of cap space yeah. for them. <clears throat> so yeah, Hunter Henry could probably get paid if they wanted to. And they have a good defense. I mean, if that defense comes back, you got Derwin James who was a steal and Bosa. And, yeah, uh, and that and they played most of the year <clears throat> like without me. Derwin James too. He yeah. was injured for most of it. Like I could see that as a big reason for why they struggled so much this year. Yeah. Well, and you look at their division. It's it's interesting to me because you have the Chiefs with Mahomes. Right. You have the Raiders. 
with uh, Derek Carr. Yeah. And then you have the Broncos, who have their quote-unquote franchise quarterback with Drew Locke. Took them a while to get it, but it yeah. It did, but for me personally, I think it's smart for the Chargers to um, not completely flip, but to start right now planning for the future. And the reason being that if Drew Locke hits, you and obviously the Raiders I don't think keep Carr for much longer. Right. But you're looking at three teams with a quarterback that other teams will envy, mm-hmm. and you being the outlier, I mean, Phillip Rivers, people would envy having him, right. but not at this end of his career. I look at uh, the, all the teams in that division right now. So Kansas City, obviously, like you have one of the most elite quarterbacks that we will probably ever see, but yep. you still have a defense that, yes, they made they turned a corner this year, but there's still a, a lot porous, of, yeah. there's a lot of older guys on that team. You look at Denver. Denver finally has their franchise quarterback, but they still have a lot of pieces they got to work yep. with. They have a young wide receiver core. Their defense is still it's elite, but there are some pieces that they could use moving forward, especially on O-line. And then if you look at the Raiders, the Raiders are building a whole complete team from scratch right now. And I would not be surprised if Carr is gone yeah. maybe after this year, but like Mike Mayock is essentially trying to say, all right, let's get good character guys in here, and then let's try to build this team from all around there. Let's get depth at they all of our positions. They got so much flack for the Cleveland Farrell pick. They really did, and which is funny to me because they still deserve it. But it's a locker room thing, like you said. Yeah, Farrell did not light the world on fire. Let's be Max about Crosby that. was better, right? Max Crosby was much better, but Farrell was just a safe pick that they just needed because for years we would knock the Raiders for making dumb picks in but the like, draft. Sometimes. What if they would have Brian Burns and Max Crosby? Or what if they? Do you know what I mean? Or what if they still had Khalil Mack when yeah. getting pass rushers is so hard to do well, in the NFL? A, yeah, agreed, <laughs> but they had this insane class because of Khalil Mack. That's true. The they sacrificial did. lamb where you got guys like Abrams, who obviously was hurt, but Crosby, um, Josh Jacobs, you got rookies galore on mm-hmm. this team. And, yeah. and they're they're young, they're primed, they're good. Um, I don't know what they're going to do about that receiving core. I do think they get a receiver this year. Oh, God, with the amount of talent that's in this class, yeah, they're going to get some damn good yeah. receivers. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I, Phillip is now a, a 100% citizen of the wonderful state of Florida. Is he from Florida or is his wife from Florida? He said they wanted to move to be closer to family. I Let's see. Yeah, because I remember he went to NC State. And yes. he, when you hear him talk, you could tell he's got like a... He's Southern. He's, he's definitely Southern. He's got like the Carolina boy yeah. thing going on. So Born I'm, in Alabama. Yeah, okay. That makes Decatur. sense. That makes sense. Like maybe along the Florida Panhandle or something like that, that you could still get in Alabama <laughs> yeah. or something like that. I, I wouldn't be surprised. But if that's the case, Tampa Bay would probably be the perfect spot for him. Yeah. Right? Like right at kind of, I, I think, I think Tampa's like northern part of um, the state as well. So you'd still be along the Panhandle. Yeah, it's like Jacksonville's here. Tampa's along the coast there, but right on the thing. And, and then, then Miami, Miami's way down. Miami's way down, like near the southern part. So yeah, so Tampa actually wouldn't be a bad destination for him either. If he wants to stay in Florida and he wants to be close to his family and he doesn't want to do the hour and a half commute that he was forced to do from San Diego oh, to LA all the time. To me. Brutal. Brutal. Although I did hear that he got a limo for it the entire time. So like going out in style or something Yeah, but like I'm, that. I'm, what are you doing, sleeping for an hour and a yeah. half in the back of a limo? Yeah, you brought up a good idea on the car right here that maybe go to Jacksonville, try to find yep. someone to take Foles as albatross of a contract, have Rivers as kind of like your bridge guy before you maybe hand over the keys to Garner. Even yep. though Garner showed himself to be pretty good this year, but you yep. may not be necessarily ready to. The thing fork is with Garner, over. it's it's 
Nick Foles and Garner are too close in the sense that they paid Nick Foles money and then they drafted Garner just there. And Garner came out and he proved that he was capable of playing in an NFL game. Right. He proved that he was capable of winning NFL games, which is something that outside of Philadelphia, and I know I catch a lot of flack for it, but Nick Foles was unable to do. But I like Nick Foles a lot. I just, this contract seemed presumptuous. Um, at best. So if they did find a team that would take Nick Foles and they keep some of the contract or however mm-hmm. they work it out and bring in Phillip Rivers, because that's a sh- that's like a two-year window if that. Right. And then Gardner Minshew should be ready to be the Jacksonville Jaguars starter, because this season you're going into it with a, with a QB battle. Nick Foles is the starter, quote-unquote, but they're going to battle it out. And if yeah. Nick Foles loses this, this battle... It, it just sucks for all parties involved. Right. Um, it sucks for Jacksonville because they forked over $88 million for him. It sucks for Foles because he thought he was going to a situation where he yep. was going to be the guy and it didn't work collarbone. out. Yeah. And I did have people at work. It's funny. A friend at work was like, I don't think that he didn't like my take on it because he was like, well, he got hurt. Like, that's not his fault. And right. I'm like, I get that, man. But the NFL, like, fast paced, their division's very good with young talent. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's just tough. I'd be willing to give Foles another year to prove that the collarbone was kind of the main catalyst for him struggling when he came back because yeah. that, that's a tough injury to come back and from. To that's come like, back, the knockers on this dude to mm-hmm. come back and say, well, you know, some people just have to be – it was something along the lines of like losing is part of the process. Mm-hmm. The knockers on this dude to accept $88 million from a franchise that hasn't ever had a franchise right. quarterback yeah. maybe to be like, hey, you guys need to learn that losing I mean, happens. It's yeah. like we – freaking no nick like we brought you in to stop that the closest they had was byron leftwich and he was underappreciated to the umpteenth degree if you look at it and by the way you're not calling blaine gabbard a franchise quarterback hell no (laughs) or or blake bortles or david garrard or any of that but i also want to point out too like Foles like coming back and proving that he was capable that's also why and i'm gonna get a lot of slack for this also why i'm not willing to give up on mason rudolph yet um so it's interesting because the the Steelers are not giving up on Mason Rudolph. And I was kind of getting tired of people that, like, well, what we found out this season was that Mason and Duck ain't it. And I'm a pretty big component or proponent of the um, you can find out how quickly if someone's good or not. And you are a let's wait and see how their whole career goes. Right. I mean, for me, it, it you could say, like, just to give an example, you could say that Brandon Ingram and Markel Foltz uh, proved that they weren't busts. All that showed to me was that it proved that they had to get out of their current situation. Right. So for me, I'm not saying that we need to get rid of Mason or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think Mason showed last year he had flashes of being okay. Um, but his story is what scares me the most. Right. Like he has had an entire career in one season. Right. <laughs> we pointed that out. That's kind of why I'm ready. I'm not ready to give up on him because. This guy has basically had every single piece of adversity you could possibly have as an NFL franchise court, not franchise, sorry, as an NFL quarterback, but potential franchise, as a, as That's a potential been franchise the, yeah. quarterback, right? Like you, you almost got your head taken off by an angry Miles Garrett. You got, got concussed, knocked out cold, knocked out by one of the best safeties in the NFL, and you still, got replaced by a duck. Yeah, and you were still able to come back in the second to last game of the season, throw a bomb, and yeah. then get injured again. <laughs> yeah, it's like. There's there's still something there for I think that it, we can have it work, but it's just 
God yep. damn, you got to stay healthy. <laughs> Agreed, man. No, I'm excited for yeah. what the Steelers have next year. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll talk more Super Bowl on Thursday. We'll we talk will. more sports on Thursday. Um, let's wrap it up for the podcast. Yeah, check out all the blogs on www.thoughtsinthebench.com. We'll be redoing the store, tftbstore.com. Mm-hmm. Come out here soon. Um, Idiot Hour tonight, which this will obviously drop tomorrow, so miss that. But check out Two Beers Deep Thursday from 6 to 7. No mm-hmm. surprise guests, just us and some football. Um, I'll cut some of this up for video to promo. But anything else we missed, Greg? Nope. Not off the top of my head. Just um, I think this was... One of our funner shows. I think this was a very somber show, but it was much needed. It was very, very much needed. Somber for all the right reasons. Absolutely. All right, guys. Check us out on all your favorite podcast networks, and we'll see you Thursday. See you guys Thursday. Peace out.